You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Kiana Jones, artist and founder of Happening Hands, a community that helps makers and creative business owners build thriving, profitable businesses. Every week on our podcast, we discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to build that profitable handmade or creative business that you've always dreamed of. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Handmade CEO Podcast. I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Sean Castrina. Sean is an entrepreneur, the founder of The Weekend MBA, and the host of the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. He has started more than 20 companies and will be sharing why business owners should think like entrepreneurs. All right. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So I'd love to first hear more about you and how you came to entrepreneurship. What was that path like for you? You know, I never expected to be an entrepreneur. I always knew I'd have multiple streams of income, probably doing side hustles. And and a side hustle is a side hustle, nothing more. Um, So I Mm -hmm. I tell people, sometimes we, we, we think that side hustles are like an entrepreneurship thing. And generally, it's something we do by the hour for maybe a little bit more than our regular job. But it's as a general rule. So I figured, you know, that would kind of be it. But I I would just, you know, work hard, make good money, went to undergrad on an athletic scholarship, went to grad school. So, you know, example, if I was going to be a teacher per se, I'd have maybe a tutoring business on the side or something like that. But I never imagined anything greater than than something of that nature. And then I kind of lost my dream job. What you never want to hear in a meeting is this, unless you're in a car, you never want to hear this. Sean, we're going in a different direction. And that was life changing right there. Yeah. So uh, change in leadership, change in team. So I was kind of out and I had to, you know, kind of reshuffle my life at that point. My wife was pregnant and I was fairly newly married there. And so I took a job selling insurance temporarily. I always say when you lose a job, it's not a necessarily good idea to start a business right then. Because normally your self-esteem is not an all-time high. You got to guard money like oxygen. So I say, you know, you got to play defense for a little while. And I played defense. And, and, but then from that point on, I started companies. Um, and I've been doing that for 30 years since then. So I took a pause and then realized I never wanted to work for anybody. So I could hear those wonderful words again. We're going in a different direction. And that kind of kicked off my entrepreneurial journey. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know everyone gets started in a completely different way. So I love being able to hear your unique um, start with all of this. So you are the author of quite a few books, and I'd love to hear more about the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success that you wrote, because we have a lot of startups and small businesses who like to tune in here. Well, no, I, I, I don't know if I know all eight of them by heart, but I'm going to kind of go through, go through. The first thing I always talk about is, is that you, you got to test the idea of your business before you even launch it. We, we tend to only get feedback by our friends. And, and, and I'm like, do you are, you are you sure there's a wanting audience for what it is you have? Because I'm shocked how many people like will launch a business, put their life savings into something, and there's no beta test at all. They have no proof of concept, you know, and, and I always say you want to, you want to introduce your business to a wanting audience, somebody who could buy your product every single day. Yeah. I, I like high demand, you know, unless you're selling, you know, an Island or a jet or a yacht, generally you need to sell your product pretty routine. You know, you need to sell something every day. So I think it's so important to test your, to beta test 
your product and or service to see if there's a wanting audience for it. And the easiest way to do that too is do you have competition? Okay. If you have competition that are in business, it clearly works. Yeah. Like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that a burger fast food restaurant works. A chicken fast food, you know, works. You got Popeyes, Bojangles, KFC. So the proof of concept came. You got proof of concept is already out there. So a lot of people get intimidated because there is competition. Competition is great because competition proved to you that there is enough of an audience out there, you know, market to sustain a business. And typically, if they can sustain one, it can always sustain two. It can sustain three and four. You just got to carve out something a little unique. You have to have just a different value proposition. Like, example, Bojangles is Louisiana chicken. Sure. (laughs) And or Popeyes, one one of the two. I think it's Bojangles is Louisiana. They have a little different, you know, spin on things. So I think that's, you know, so I think it's important. The first thing is to make sure you have a wanting audience. The second thing is, is that you've got to be right for the job. It's not a job, but some people are not cut out for this. Yeah. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I think, you know, a few qualities I think you've got to have to be. And again, there's small business owners and they typically have something less than five people and they replace their salary and they're happy with that. I say they had an entrepreneurial moment, Mm. but they're not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is like an addict. An addict, they they always want to start another business. I mean, Elon Musk does PayPal, leaves with about $90 million, and he gets into Tesla, then he does SpaceX, Mm -hmm. and he does, you know, what these tunnels, I think. And, you know, (laughs) they they just keep doing it. Look at Shark Tank. They just, they got to have more. You know, they're they're always looking for the next thing. So if, if you're really an entrepreneur, generally you're high energy, good communicator, you're a leader extremely resilient and competitive. That makes sense. Yeah. You you just have that. That's just kind of in your DNA. I think if you're passive, you're not a great communicator. I think you're, you're limited in in how, you know, where you can take your company to. Sure. Third thing is, is that you've got to, you have to market your business. This idea that you're going to be a word of mouth business. That's so common Mm. in the sub 10 employee business. Well, I'm a word of mouth business. I just go out on Facebook and my friends, yeah, great. I'm going to let you know a secret. If you ever watch the Super Bowl, Budweiser sells beer. And they're going to spend about $10 million this year to remind you of something that you all already know. Mm. Right? Yeah. You know, we see car ads. We know that Ford sells vehicles, but they're going to remind you, you know, they're going to spend about, you know, billions of dollars this year reminding you of that. So the idea that you're not going to market, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, businesses market, you know, constantly. They're constantly wanting to own that, you know, real estate in, in, in the market's head, you know, that if I want this, I go to this, you know, this company right there. So it, I'm shocked how many small businesses don't market, say they can't afford to market. Mm-hmm. To, to me, kind of, it's just a ridiculous statement. You're never going to grow a business. It's like a basic investment. Degree. Yeah. It's like saying you're going to have a kid, but you're not going to feed them. Right. <laughs> Really, that's, that's parallel. I'm not, I love my kid, but I don't feed them. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a business, you, you have to market. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we tend to um, we don't protect our business and ourselves, so we don't have any agreements, contracts, partnership agreements. We don't patent anything. We don't trademark anything. You know, we have no protection. So we're shocked when our lead employee starts a business. You know, in our in our neighbor, you know, right in our backyard, doing exactly what we're doing with a slight little twist on the name. Mm. Uh, there's no no compete agreement there's no partnership agreements things of that nature 
you know, or you have, you just got to protect yourself. You need some, you know, some type of agreements to protect yourself. And, and, and I'm shocked how many businesses, of course, don't do that, mm-hmm. you know, and you can keep going. They, you know, you have to, you got to put it, they're the four that I really think get you going, you know, what, where people really make the mistakes, bad idea. They're not a strong leader themselves with good sales skills and communication. You know, they don't have that. They don't, they're not spending any money on marketing and they don't protect themselves. They're the, I find there to be the four real key pillars. Yeah. And if people want to read more, they, you have that book for free on your website, right? Free, yeah. yeah. They go to seancastorina.com. It's a free download. It's got multiple New York Times bestselling reviews. Awesome. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a really good book. Thank you so much for that. So you identify as a serial entrepreneur. How did you grow into that identity over the years? And how do you build in starting new companies into your life? Because obviously every, every business is a little different and comes with new and different challenges. So I'd love to hear more about that and how you incorporate that into your life. I think what happens is, and I was kind of talking about that a little bit, where you have the person who has an entrepreneurial moment and they start a business. And let's say they're selling whatever. I don't care. They're selling blankets. Okay. My mother makes these beautiful afghans. So let's just use that as a business model. Sure. So she realizes that she can sell these on, you know, once a month at little county fairs, right? And she can make a, you know, a certain amount of money. And so she does that. So she has this business. Maybe she gets her friend to help her. Okay, that's there's nothing wrong with that, but that business has that business could stay very limited. Now, an entrepreneur would say, "Okay, wait, okay, it cost me. My friend did this Afghan for whatever took her. Let's just say for I'm just making up general numbers. Let's say did it in two hours. Cost me twenty dollars in labor, forty dollars in labor, and I could sell it for sixty. You pull yourself out of it. Now you go, okay, I run an ad on Craigslist for people who can make Afghans." Right. And then I interview them and go, hey, can you make I'll pay you thirty five dollars for every Afghan you can make this size. Mm. Now you're thinking about scaling. You're like, okay, now I can go into I can be in two county fairs every Saturday instead of the one I was going into once a month. Yeah. So it's just a different mindset. So instead of where I was making the Afghans now, oh, no, no, I'm looking at how can I, you know, make a hundred Afghans a month be in two locations every Saturday and I don't even leave my house. They come to my house, they pick up all the Afghans we're going to sell. And then I give them a cut of whoever's working the, you know, the stand. I'm just winging that idea. It didn't take me you know, long to kind of come up with that, but that's how my mind thinks. Yeah. Other people, my mother would be content to make each Afghan herself. I love making them, Sure. you know, and making just a little bit of money off of it. There's no wrong answer. Every one of us has different levels of ambition and that fits our personality types. And again, I want to say it doesn't, you know, whatever you choose, but one has a much bigger upside. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's your passion and you really want to do that as a business, like being able to think that way is going to get it way farther than uh, just, you know, being okay with mediocrity. (laughs) What happens if you fell down one day and broke your, your, your thumb? You would be, you'd lose your income for like three months. Just think of that. I mean, that's a reality. Something like something little like that could happen. Mm-hmm. Your business is done. So I always say at the very least duplicate yourself. This is it, maybe the best advice I could probably mm-hmm. give your audience. 
couple pieces would be, even if you have a small business, do one thing this next year. Duplicate yourself. Get somebody in the business who can do what you're doing so that you can scale it. You can at least double it if you did that. You know, and assuming your margins, the other thing I'd say is raise your prices. Most mm-hmm. people, their prices are not, not big enough. You know, they're so afraid to raise their prices. You know, raise your prices and market, 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 market. If you don't know how to market, reach out to getstartedmarketing.com. They sponsor my podcast, so they're, <laughs> they're really good. I know that. So, um, yeah, you, you got to spend money on marketing. If, if you don't know how to attract... I'm going to really quick lesson for your audience. This is I'm going to give you business 101 in under one minute. There's only three things you do in business, but you got to be good at all three. Number one is you have to be able to attract customers, period. You have to be able to get people in your store, to your website, to your table, whatever it is. You got to attract people. Number two is you got to be able to sell them. Mm-hmm. If they walk in your store and they don't buy, you failed. Yeah. Number three is you got to be able to fulfill what it is you sold. You got to give them what they paid for and then provide whatever back end warranty it is. That's it. You attract, you sell, you fulfill. Mm. You fail at any one of the three, you're out of business. Or you won't have a strong business. I'd say you'd be out of business at some point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, I mean, one of the questions I was going to ask you was about failing and why startups tend to fail um, and how they can avoid failing. So it sounds like those are kind of the three things that would really help. They would... They would definitely, yeah, I'd say that they're the three, but I'll give you a quick Bermuda Triangle. If anybody knows what the Bermuda Triangle is, it's a body of water that has three little points on it. And if a plane goes in there, it doesn't come out. This is just a myth, but it's not a myth in business. And the three points of it where I find that this is what kills startups. Number one is the bad idea. Mm. It's not, it hasn't been tested. Okay. So we we know that, you know, bad idea. (laughs) Second thing is we hire, our first hire is friends and family. Why? Because we're comfortable with them. When your initial hire, remember I said it should be somebody of your of your caliber. That first couple hires needs to be a, just a heavy hitter, a good salesperson, a highly productive person. But we tend to hire people that we're comfortable with and they never move the needle. Mm. They just never move it. So th- those couple hires are critical. Bill Gates hired um, Steve Ballmer in 1980 as his assistant, $50,000 a year in 1980. You know, he's coming out of Stanford. That's how smart people think. Hmm. You know, Steve. You know, Steve Jobs hired you know Tim Cook at Apple. Mark Zuckerberg hired Sharon Sandberg. Okay, you hire big hires, but we don't. We hire friends and family. And the third thing is, is we're a schmuck. We just are. We're lazy. We're undisciplined. Um, we don't surround ourselves with really sharp people. We're not resilient. We can't do two things at once. We're very content with our little thing we got going and and all the problem is us. And so those three things, generally, you have an idea that you didn't test. You hire friends and family. You never make that really good hire. And number three is you just lack the personal qualities of a successful person and you're shocked that it's not growing. Did you know Pinterest has over 459 million monthly active users and most of them go to the platform to try new ideas and shop for unique items for their lifestyle and home? According to Pinterest for Business, more than 80% of weekly pinners discover a new brand or product on Pinterest. After more than eight years of helping makers and entrepreneurs with Pinterest marketing, I've finally gotten around to creating a full workshop on Pinterest marketing for makers, and it covers everything from the basics to how to set up and run ads on Pinterest, so you can start getting traffic to your website 
start building your email list, and making sales. You can gain access to this workshop through our membership for makers, Happening Hands, by going to happeninghands.com to sign up and get your first three days free. All right, back to the show. It sounds like, um, you know, having an entrepreneur mindset, being able to think like an entrepreneur is like the key here to being able to run a successful business because then you're thinking about all these things before even launching a business. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination. I, I think if you, I definitely think mindset is important. I'm an athlete, you know, a division one athlete and I did everything that you athletes do. And then I wrote my goals down. I visualized winning all the time and thus the product was, was winning. But I always tell people, I also ran five miles a day, practiced twice a day and lifted weights. So I always say, you, um, it is great to have the mindset. You've got to have that. I always say you got to have a clear vision of what you want your company to be. But then you got to have a clear strategy on how to make that happen. And it then it's followed by action. Yeah. With deadlines. <laughs> so there's always the, it's the combination of three. I have a vision. Okay. I want to be, a, you know, I want to be this. Okay. I want to be a state champion. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Well, great. What do I got to do to do it? Okay. Probably need to, I need to train more than others. I need to lift weights. I need it, whatever it is. And that's the same way in a business. There's no difference. So I'm really big on the mindset. Yeah. I think that entrepreneurs have a very competitive mindset. I mean, I know me when I, when I started my business, I went to my competitor's business. I used to take pictures of their parking lot and how many vans they have. And I put it in my, near my desk. So I could see it and, and make sure that I had more than they, that was my goal. I want to have more than they did. And of course we did that. But yeah, that's, that's how entrepreneurs are. Very competitive. Yeah. I love that. So another question I had is, are you willing to kind of share how creative business owners can kind of stand out in a saturated market, especially locally? Um, because, you know, you're talking a little bit about this with like keeping yourself protected and, um, you know, if this concept works, then, um, it's probably going to work for you. Um, but how do you stand out when, you know, you're a soap maker and there's like three other soap businesses in town and you're starting the same type of business? Okay. Number one is you, I'll make it easy for you. Now, how you implement it, that's going to be the hard part. Sure. What's the one promise? This is game changing. I use this when I teach. Uh, what is the one promise that if you could make and fulfill that your competition can't or won't, that if your target customer heard about it, they would chase you down for your business? Let me mm. say that again. So what could you do for your business that your competitor's not doing? But if your your customers, your target customer heard about it, they'd be like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm buying from them. Yeah. Example, Domino's Pizza did the pizza in 30 minutes or less. There was everybody selling pizzas at the time. Like every small, everybody was doing pizza deliveries. But what did Domino do? They go, what if we can get you a hot pizza in under 30 minutes? That changed the game for them. Completely changed everything. Amazon figured out the Amazon Prime. We're going to get you everything. And, you know, literally you can go down for a nap and you'll get it this afternoon. Right. You, can live, you know, it's crazy. But that was it. Zappos did 365 day returns. Whatever it is, you got to find that one value add. And it doesn't mean you have to lessen the price. Our tendency is to lower the price. None of those did that. Yeah. I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is to find the one thing that your customer most wants. Maybe it's delivered to them. Maybe it's you make a, 
if you're making an afghan, maybe you make yours bigger. Mm. It's just bigger in size. It's so simple. You know, whatever it is, you do soap. Okay, maybe you sell soap and then you sell hand soap as an it kind of comes together. So they have the hand soap and the bar soap. I'm just winging it, but there, you add something to it, and the, doesn't mean the price stays the same. Mm. Like if some to me, if I want to buy soap, okay, what I use hand soap at my at my um you know at my sink in my bathroom. Sure. So I might have something. They might be different. I might have a work soap that I keep out of my garage, mm. right? Because it's different. It's got a little more grit in it. Um, and then when I'm in my shower, I want a bar soap for whatever reason. I want I want a bar soap. Sure. So my point is, maybe you package a few together. Maybe what you would have for children is different. Sure. It's just a little idea, but I'm just you know I just got the question two minutes ago, audience. So I'm just kind of throwing it out there. But my point is, is that. What is it that your target customer wants that they're not getting right now? Give it to them. I love that. Thank you so example, much. I, I I go to a restaurant. This is a real quick example. Sure, sure. I go to a restaurant that closes at 2 p.m. How do you stay open till just 2 p.m.? They're, they're brilliant. What they do is they serve an incredible breakfast, incredible brunch, incredible lunch. But by doing that, they don't have to have like multiple waiter staffs. Hmm. So they don't have to have the afternoon crew, the evening crew. They got to only have one crew, you know, coming at like six in the morning, leave at two, a typical day. I'm telling you the best waiters in the world, the best food in the world. Why? They don't have to have three different cook staffs. Yeah. So they, they just figured out how we are going to give you the best breakfast, the best lunch, and it's all, you know, farm fresh and what, like the meals are outrageous. Like my breakfasts are like $14 where it normally would be $8 at a diner. So I'm paying almost double. The atmosphere is incredible. The waiters are incredible. The food is incredible. Yet they're only open till two o'clock in the afternoon. That's the, I've, uh, the opposite logic would be right to yeah. stay, you know, I, Dinner. Everybody makes money at dinner. They don't do dinner. They, they their staff only has to be there for one shift. It works. They're they're taking money out in duffel bags. There's a waiting line out. Every time I go, there's a thirty minute wait. Wow. So you can do it. You know, you can do it with little little bitty changes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you, Sean? Do you have any new projects in the works or books on the table for the near future? What's next Always for you? writing a book. Always, always writing books. I'm working yeah. on a book right now called one, one Plus One Equals Done, The Power of Partnerships in Business. So okay. I'm playing with that. But if you go to my website, you get my free book. You'll, you'll kind of be caught up on all those different three things. And I'm the founder of the Weekend MBA, and that's always the last weekend in April. It's in Orlando this year at the Gaylord Hotel. And it's going to be an incredible event. So, But if you go to my site, seancastrina.com, get the free book. You'll get updated on all that stuff. And you can, of course, follow me on Instagram. And my podcast is the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. So if you like really quick advice, it's a good podcast for you. Yeah, I've been enjoying it myself. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Sean, and good luck with your upcoming book and with everything that you have in the works. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Handmade CEO Podcast. Check out the show notes to get a closer look at our guest today and our special offers. Most importantly, check out and join our membership for makers, Happening Hands, where we feature courses, workshops, monthly coaching, and more for makers and creative business owners who are ready to bring their businesses to the next level. You can do this by going to www.happeninghands.com. 
See you next time. And until then, don't forget that no dream is too big to turn into your dream job.